It seemed to be raining money in Monterey. Will the EV movement short circuit and uh, with the government taking thousands of dollars away from consumers? Seems many cargo vans are going away. And the internet wins while a dealer loses. Lots on this episode of No Driving Gloves. Stay tuned for John and Derek. I'll push the wrong button again. Boy, I'm pretty good at doing that every week. Oh, and it's John and Derek. Yeah, needless to say, I did not win that auction. So, eh, no new cars for Derek. Oh, uh, what was I? Oh, that, you mean that lottery? No, no, the auction that was going off in the background oh. on the intro. I didn't, I was, I was bidding, but I didn't win. So, oh. so I was going to yeah. say, I was listening to Farah on a podcast today and he crossed a guy in Monterey at, um, I think he was at the quail maybe. Um, and the dude has a collection of 75 fairly nice cars and that, um, I guess Farrah was saying he's 25 years old and at, 23 he won 800 million dollars in the powerball while he was a target employee oh hey there you go <laughs> so you figure one lump sum after taxes he probably took home between 400 450 million dollars and yeah he at least hasn't run out of money in three years <laughs> hey you play it wise and live off the interest and do that you should be able to make it I yeah, I can't quite decide if this kid's doing it that intelligently because I heard he's got a couple Pagnotis, he's got a couple Konasigs, and that would eat up the interest in of one year just like a Konasig. But yeah, but, but it's been how long? Three years, right? Right. I mean, eh, I mean, if he's made wives investments, things like that, you never yeah, know. I mean, if he's making you know intelligent investments and making in that six to eight percent range, he's doing you know. Okay. Yeah. I guess that I mean, would be 400. Well, at 5%, million. that would be 20 million a year. He had to put another 60 on top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I could buy some nice cars. Yeah. I would have probably kept my job at Target. You know, did, did the Jay Leno thing. He might have. You don't know. I have a feeling no. He might actually own that Target now. <laughs> I, you know, I. <laughs> You see the guy pulling up in a Kona Sig and slips, gets out, got his little Target red vest on, a little name tag. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm going that's... to work electronics for, you know, Heck 17 yeah. bucks an hour. But hey, got to keep nah, it. Go get a, go get a job at Best Buy so you can upgrade the stereo system, you know. I'm trying to remember. Well, Best Buy does give some pretty good discounts. Yeah. So let me get over here to my outline of the show because we're trying to do this all professional-like. We're trying to be professionals. Oh, yeah. In the unprofessional uh, world of podcasting. Yes, and uh, we'll jump right into the... I don't have sound effects with me tonight. Um, Bitch of the week from Derek. Derek, what's what's uh, bothering you? Everything, literally everything, John. Mm-hmm. 
it's a problem because I feel like, uh, I feel like I can never remember what we've already talked about. I seem to always forget my little handy show notes mm-hmm. book. That's now sitting, I don't know, in the next room over or something from me. So, uh, I, I don't know what I've talked about and what I haven't, but, uh, Probably, I think, yeah, I don't know. We've talked. It's it, Traffic it, is traffic, it, right? I mean, traffic in general is bothering me. I say, should we put a columns in the Trello, Derek's bitches, John's bitches, and you just keep track? Yeah, we got We need to keep track of them because I feel like we were too repetitive, you know. Um, but you know what? Let's, let's seeing we're seeing auctions is the topic this week. And I don't know that we always have to. Uh, gripe about traffic or the way people drive. I think we can open this up to other things. No, it's automotive, bitches. It's it's automotive, exactly. I I am not a fan of auction houses. I don't like the uh, approach that they take, especially in the automotive. I shouldn't say auction houses in general, but for some reason, it's in the automotive auction houses. The approach that's taken to selling cars and the way they handle the auctions, it's just, there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And John, you and I have had firsthand experiences with that, whether it's you know the behind the scenes part of it or the involved in bidding part of it. But... I'm just overall not a fan of the the way they handle the auctions because, of course, all they're trying to do is drive the price as high as they can, and they give away you know free alcohol to especially the the high dollar bidders. So they'll you know get in a, a bidding war with another wealthy guy and drive the price of a car up, and all that winds up doing is is messing up the the market value on the cars and. I mean, it's it's just an irritation of mine. Uh, I I agree with you. Um, there's some good auctions and some legit things, but there's of course always um, some background um, shady things. Um, I was going to. Oh, shoot. I don't have it there because that's a subscription. And I just paid $22 for a subscription to something for two years. But um, you did see that Barra Jack- Jackson sold the majority stake of um, their auction house. No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, the that news. Um, let me see. Now that I've figured out a, a way to look for it. I don't know who said it on the same podcast I was talking about. Um, uh, the Target dude, they were talking about the new electric Dodge Charger. <clears throat> and quickly they realized on this podcast, what a Google nightmare that car would be. Wait, which car? Sorry. The new uh, Dodge Charger EV. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because when you go into Google and you type electric charger, um, can you 
You do, do you really think it's oh, going to be? Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's, that is hilarious. Yeah, that, yeah. that's not going to be great, is it? Uh, yeah. And uh, IMG is the uh, company that require, acquired a majority stake in Barrett Jackson. International Motorsports Group, I believe that is. Well, that's in, interesting. In, in Endeavor Holdings. Because they're experts from one of the articles I read there about um, about IMG is a global leader in sports, fashion, events, and media. The company manages some of the world's greatest athletes and fashion icons, owns and operates hundreds of life events annually, and is a leading independent producer and distributor of sports and entertainment media. IMG also specializes in licensing, sports training, and league development. IMG is a subsidiary of Endeavor. New York Stock Exchange, EDR, a global sports and entertainment company. Now, you know, that's interesting that Barrett Jackson Automotive Auction House would sell a majority stake of their company to this IMG, which to me, when it's described, sounds like part of their um, shindig, if we can use that term is being a lifestyle management company. Sounds vaguely familiar to another company in the automotive industry that's trying to become a lifestyle management company. Well, there's a line in here, and I've heard it repeatedly before. Craig Jackson, who as CEO has built Barrett Jackson into the world's foremost brand authorities and lifestyle destinations for premium car collectors. So he looks at himself as a lifestyle brand. Hmm. I'm just saying it sounds very familiar to a certain insurance company that's trying to become a lifestyle brand. Hmm. And I believe there's some news about that company. Oh. Related to auction houses. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how this stuff crosses paths. I did go to Barrett Jackson's site. They don't have any openings yet that would be appropriate for me. <laughs> well, the company you're talking about seems to despise me and won't give me a job. So let's go back to Craig and see if he will. Well, it's because we talk so highly of everyone on the show, I'm sure. Well, we're fairly honest about him, at least. I'm well, not, you know. I'm not making up stuff. Oh, so before we jump into the auction topic, I've got a couple of little things that popped up in the news this week. Oh, oh sorry. I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the, see, we try to professionalize. I'm looking at this, this, mm. you know, wonderful layout you have, and I jump around. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> we're, you know, get, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um. Sad moment for me being a van guy this week. And I think I can tell you why this is happening. Um, Ford announced this week that the Transit Connect production will be canceled after 2023. 2023 will be the final year of the Transit Connect in the United States. They will be continue building it um, for Europe. Um, there was a lot of talk of them building it in Mexico after uh, 2023 and the new model came out um, to avoid the chickens tax because right now every transit connect that comes in is shipped over with seats in it and those seats are sh uh, stripped out and shipped back to Europe. Uh, I think Turkey is where they're built. And then 
reinstalled it in another group of vans and set back over. Um, we've talked about the chicken tax before, and we'll probably jump into it in another episode. Don't want to get too too sidetracked. You know, but here's the thing. I think Ford's missing the boat here because is there a better vehicle in their lineup to convert to an electric van? Well, it's the transit connect. Well, keep in I mean, mind there. Come on. I mean, you don't have to even give it an E name or anything. You just connect like connecting to the charger. The um, full size transit is available as an EV and all available platforms, cargo van, chassis cab, etc., except passenger van. You cannot get the EV drivetrain in a windowed transit. So transit being the full-size van, transit connect being the small van. Mm-hmm. But what I've noticed, because I'm, I'm kind of in the market for something to drive, keep some miles off the Mini. I'm really thinking about going back and getting another Mazda 5. But... I had a Transit Connect. Great, great truck. Great gas mileage. Very usable. Um, Then we had this thing called COVID come through. I paid 21 brand new for my Transit Connect. Maybe 22, right in that area. And drove it, you know, ended up selling it, etc., Do you know the asking price on a new transit connect? Ooh, uh, let's see. I just heard the report actually on the way home from work tonight that in the numbers for August came in and the average new car in August cost $46,000. That was the this month's average new car price in the U.S. So the Transit Connect, I'm going to say between thirty five and 37000 I haven't seen a new Transit Connect available for sale for less than forty grand. Dang. I was close. I was close. This is the van that I paid 50% of that money for in 2018, four years. Should have held on to it. Uh, yeah, I should. Yeah. Do you know what a 2018 Transit Connect with, say, 80,000 miles sells for? Mm, 30 to 32,000. You're right. Boom. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, I, I finally, in the last week or so, I've come across two Transit Connect people. So they're the people vans, not the cargo vans. 2014s with low hundreds thousand miles, like 115, 120,000 miles that are sub $20,000. When I had my Transit Connect four years ago, so they were only four-year-old vans, a 2014 Transit Connect people, thirteen dollars to $14,000 all day long. Um, it just, that's the problem. These vans aren't going to sell when you can, when it's bean counters buying them with corporations because these are designed to be commercial vehicles. <clears throat> and I can get a full size van for forty four, forty five thousand dollars, or I can get the little van for forty. You're never going to sell the little van. Um, 
All right. I'm, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm on, I pulled up marketplace, Facebook marketplace, did a, a search of all marketplace for Ford transit connect vans. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got one. Actually, let's look at one close. So I've got one in Nashville. 2019 Ford Transit Connect XLT, 45,000 miles, used as a flower delivery van for three years. What do you think asking price is? So usually when you pull this up, you're trying to prove me wrong. 28. It is exactly 28,000. <laughs> No joke. I know I'm not, I'm not making this up because that's what John said. It's literally 28,000. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're all over the place on here. I mean, the, you know, from insane pricing to what might be a reasonable price, but well, it's I mean, like, like I said, I'm it's looking crazy at what the, uh, 2011 with 240,000 miles is $8,500. As you said, John, like pre-COVID, that would have been a what five, four to five thousand dollar van, forty five hundred to five grand, because those yeah. were those were the popular. That was the previous body style. That was the popular van for van life people. Yeah, because yep. they get thirty miles a gallon. They're small. They're easy, you know, easy to drive if you're doing the van life, and there's not a Walmart or something to park park at. You can you can park them in a subdivision and they don't look out of place. Uh, you know you can't really do that with your you know prevost. But want to make a it, bit? <laughs> it's still going to look out of place no matter what you do. But um, it it that's what you know they're not priced correctly. But all of a sudden these little vans are going to go away. Um, the rumor was that the next generation was actually going to be built like on a Maverick um, Bronco Sport. Chassis, oh, yeah. Yep. Which was going to make it bigger anyway. I think ideally the Maverick should have been on, built, built on the Transit Connect chassis um, and kept it a smaller front-wheel drive type unibody truck that way. Um, but, you know, they're going to become extremely expensive now that you can't get them. And two mm -hmm. weeks ago, Mercedes announced that they were going to discontinue importation. Hopefully, that's a word of the Metris, which is there. Discontinue or importation? <laughs> discontinue the importation, <laughs> the importing of uh, the the Metris. Um, you know, it's a little bit bigger. Nice thing about a Metris, you can put a four by eight sheet sheet of plywood in the back since that's the standard. Yeah, but which is weird because you can do that in a caravan, or you could used to be able to do that in a caravan when they existed. Uh, new, you can still do it if you find it, you know, whatever. But the Metris is going away, and the Metris, the Metris's problem was, guess what? It was a forty to fifty thousand dollar van. Um, and Mercedes, you know, Mercedes dealers just didn't care. People buy Sprinters. I don't know, you know, they buy Sprinters. Uh, they're kind of an easy sell. The Metris, it's really not a very Mercedes. It's a very European commercial Mercedes. So, well, that's the Transit Connects going away. Um, the uh, other big thing, and this is where the um, 
um, when it pours portion of the title comes in on this show. When um, what portion comes in? Well, the name of the show. Um, it rains, it pours. Oh, pours. I thought you said Porsche. No, I was pours. like, we're not talking about Porsche tonight. Pours, P-O-O-R-S. Yeah. Um, part of this um, inflation, uh, inflation prevention or whatever act that was signed into law this week, I've read rumors, saw it, that the EV tax credit is being reset Every manufacturer, doesn't matter how many cars you've sold, every electric vehicle is eligible for the $7,500 tax credit. And now it's not a tax credit on your income tax. You don't have to wait till you file your income taxes and get your $7,500 back then. It's an immediate $7,500 that, you know, basically I think you can surrender it to the dealership take $7,500 off your electric car price. However, there's a lot of rules and it's affecting a lot of cars um, and a lot of people. Have you read any of this stuff, Derek, on this one? I have read about as much as you just said, John. I have not done a deep dive. Well, just uh, who qualifies for the revamp tax credits? Mm, not everybody. Income, uh, singles with incomes up to $150,000 a year and couples who file jointly um, who wanted to earn up to $300,000 qualify for it on a new electric vehicle. That's that's a lot of people, John. Yes, but it's still putting a cap on it. Um, it's trying to get bring make electric manufacturers push the price of their cars or make their cars more available to people who make less than you can't tell me most of the people buying Tesla's make less than 150, 300, whatever. Yeah. Um, currently the average price of an electric vehicle is $66,000. I don't believe that one. I would believe it's higher because I can probably yeah. count on one hand the number of cars you can buy, ele full electric vehicles that you can buy. Um, that I, are mean, th I mean, think about it. I mean, I just said that the average price of a new car <laughs> for the month of August was 46000 That's the average price of a new car with, the, you know, <laughs> yes, those electric vehicles are figured in there, but the majority of those are internal combustion engines. So... Well, you've electric got the, vehicles are up there. I, I would agree you've that got they're the Bolt, You've got the Leaf. You've got the uh, Mini E. Uh, and there might be one or two more. But the biggest electric car, the most popular, the biggest seller is the Tesla Model 3. Mm -hmm. And those rarely come in at less than 60, 65. So, um, and that's where the next, um, the requirements on the electric vehicles. Sedans have to be under $55,000 to qualify. This is as of January 1st, 2023. The, the income uh, immediate. As of today, as of the time that bill was signed on Wednesday, the income uh, came into play. A pricing of the vehicles comes into play on January 1st. Sedans have to be under $55,000, and trucks, vans, and sport utility vehicles cannot exceed $80,000, which, again, 
disqualifies just about every Tesla. Yeah. Disqualifies the Lucid. Uh, disqualifies the Rivian. Uh, disqualifies the Hummer. Uh, <laughs> can we go on? Uh, uh, barely keeps the Hyundai and the Kia in in the game. Um, but that's not the big deal. The big deal is in order to qualify for any of the rebates, the majority of the, uh, let's see here, to start the full tax credit, the car has to be assembled in North America. So that eliminates the Kia, the Hyundai. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the Hyundai might actually be assembled in uh, Alabama, come to think of it. But it eliminates the Kia. What it is el- the name of that Hyundai? I can never remember. One is the, like, 5, and one is, like, the IQ or something. Iconic. The Hyundai Iconic. Uh, but it eliminates, well, pricing. Takes care of the Porsche. Takes care of the Mercedes. Um don't know about the Volkswagen, but the Volkswagen, funny, right now the Volkswagen um, IQ4, ID4, is produced in Germany, but they are slowly transitioning production to their Tennessee plant and will be, have the production will be, I believe, in Tennessee within the next month or two. So there's going to be a certain group of Volkswagens that are not eligible for the rebate, and some of them are. So I think so it looks like they're. Planning to build them in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Georgia. That's going to take, um, you know, I think Volkswagen is going to have to kick in 7500 bucks incentive on those uh, European-built cars. So it just gets more and more confusing. And then that only makes it eligible for half of the $7,500. The other half of the $7,500, $3,750, comes in where the batteries are produced. Right now they have to be... 40% of the battery has to have a merit has had to have been mined, refined, assembled in within the borders of the United States or a territory we have free trade agreements with. And then that number jumps to 50% in 2023, eventually working its way up to about 90%. And that's where a lot of the cars are going to get. Uh, dismissed because 90% of the electric car batteries are made in China mm-hmm. or majority of the battery assembly is done in China. So I don't know to me, this law is good as the government's painting it. Um, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, well, is, is it horrible or is it going to drive more innovation and development within the borders of the U S for electric vehicles. Now, what it's going to do is it's going to drive the small manufacturers out. It's going to kill them. Mm -hmm. It's going to allow GM and Ford and the big companies to GM, Ford, uh, BMW, Volkswagen, um, to gain a stronger foothold of the industry. Um, And the innovation is coming from people like Tesla and people like Lucid and people like Rivian. And I don't see Rivian surviving this. Um, Because 
I'll say you can get that $7,500 tax credit still provided you had a guaranteed non-refundable deposit order placed on your vehicle, i.e. you had money down that could not be refunded and a guaranteed vehicle. Uh, and it can be delivered anytime between now and the end of the year. Everybody's so far behind on their production. A lot of people that are sitting here with orders are stuck. Mm-hmm. So it's, if you're into the electric cars, um, I will put a link in the show notes. Um, uh, NPR probably from all the articles has the most detailed explanation. Now, the nice thing is they did throw a um, um, $25,000 price cap on used vehicles, and I think you're eligible up to $37.50. And there are no made-in-America requirements on the used electric vehicles. So you might see a bump in those values. So, And then the third piece of news I had is it's all over the Internet. The Corvette dealer is asking $90,000. The letters went around. You placed your order. You put $6,000 down. Um, once GM accepted your order and when your Corvette ZR1 is delivered, um, you agreed to buy no, it. No, no. Z06. Oh, sorry. Z06. Not probably the same thing with the ZR1. But when your Z06 is delivered, you agree to purchase it for sticker plus $90,000. And... Uh, somebody posted their copy of their letter from the dealership and the dealership on Sunday night backed off and said, we are not going to charge the $90,000 markup. Everybody will get their car at manufacturer suggested retail price. Hmm. Wonder why that is. Hmm. Well, there's also a slight rumor out there that a few people have contacted the dealership and it's not, they're not charging 90,000. Now it's a $50,000 above sticker. Yeah, that's 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 still probably going to change because there was probably a phone call from a certain corporation and uh, that there's probably major conversations going on. Well, there's been some other dealers asking 100 Um, Hummer EVs. I keep reading all day long that are selling for 50 to 100 above sticker. But I don't think people care because it's a hundred and what hundred fifty thousand dollar truck anyway. So got a hundred and fifty grand for a Hummer EV. You probably got the extra fifty to kick in. Well, you're okay. going to say that about the Z06 as well. I mean, they're going to. I mean, they're going to be a ninety to a hundred thousand dollar car base model. Not even getting options in it. Yes, but there's still a ninety to hundred thousand dollar car, and the Corvette has a history of being an affordable sports car. Um, and then all well, of a sudden, typically only the Stingray, the, the typically only the base base model. You not okay? Maybe not back in the earliest generations, but. Really, when they started, you know, brought back the Z06, um, the ZR1 names, those, even in the C4 generation, the fourth generation of Corvette, the ZR1 was not really truly an affordable sports car for the majority of America, like the base model 
Corvette was. Well, well the base model Corvette, I believe, was $28,000, $29,000, and the Z ZR1 option in 1990 was $25,000. So it almost doubled the price of the car. Yeah. And you know what? I remember stories of people paying a hundred grand for their ZR1. That was paying double sticker. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the, these markups have been there forever, but supposedly internet pressure is, you know, maybe, maybe the good guys did win one here. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, it's just going to come down to, it's more going to come down to the pressure mm -hmm. that GM puts on them. And I'm trying to think, did I save the, uh, I don't think I saved the news article. Yeah, I missed it. Um, we mentioned Konisig earlier with our little target buddy. Um, Eric von Konisig did come out today, I think according to the drive, and complimented the Corvette and says it is a remarkable piece of engineering, and he is amazed that uh, General Motors can build such a fine piece of automotive equipment and sell it for that price. And, you know, this is the guy that builds $4 million cars. I've seen an option sheet and options on his car cost as much as your house. So, yeah. Right. Oh, and he, he, um, same podcast again, heard a lot on it, learned a lot today. He introduced a new transmission on the new, um, Konisig, uh, eight, 850 cc 850 and keep in mind eric konisig is only i think it's eric uh konisig is only 50 years old this year um and look at what he's accomplished uh he now has a trans <coughs> transmission that can be operated as a complete manual clutch pedal you can stall it you can pop the clutch you can do a burnout in it everything is a manual and then if you want, you can flip a switch and it becomes a full automatic and runs as a full automatic. And then you can also flip a switch and you can run it as a CVT. Whoa. Or you, or you can run it as an automatic and then choose your gear to a limit, choose your gear ratios. Sounds like one of the most complicated transmissions I've ever seen. I haven't read about it. I want to read about it because that's uh, that's pretty intense. And uh, I, I will say one thing. I would not want to have it go bad on me. Well. Because it would probably cost as much as the car did to buy to get it fixed. Mm, it, that, was, that was being a little sarcastic, John. No, nah, I don't know if you're actually being sarcastic there. You, you might be right. But I was trying to think of if I've heard of repair costs on a Kona Sig. So, uh, you probably don't want to. So, well, again, they're four and five million dollar cars, and yeah. uh, something I believe I saw. Um, I saw some pictures from Pebble Beach, of course, talk about the auctions and everything out at Monterey. Of course, Car Week was going on, Pebble Beach, Concord, Elegance. Uh, but I think I saw pictures from the Quail. I think it was, I think it was the Quail event. Um, and I noticed it looked like a, uh, Koenigsegg, um, I think it was, a um, uh, what was the, uh, the one Koenigsegg one. Yeah. Um, I think was on the field. 
Um, I don't know if there was one on the field, but it was the quail where they introduced the CC850. It didn't look like I just looked up the CC850. I'm wondering if maybe they had a couple of them there to introduce it, like previous well, well, models. Well, the CC850 is celebrating the 50th birthday of Konasig and the um C, the first Konasig was the C8. Yeah. So that's where the name comes from. So they probably had some of the earlier cars. But again, same podcast I was listening to talked about that one Geneva canceled. Every exotic hypercar, super hypercar, all of a sudden transferred to debut their cars at the Quail. So they got a big bump out of it. That's why Konasig was there. And I understand Konasig was right across the fairway from Kia. So and I had to feel just like Geneva. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the interesting thing, another not trying to get off topic here too much, but um, noticed the, or took interest in the introduction of the, uh, the actually unveiling the new DeLorean concept car out at Quail. Yeah, I saw that one did pop up out there also. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I quite understand it. I don't see any of the old DeLorean in it. And while I don't expect it to be a retro DeLorean, I would expect one or two styling cues. Well, it still has um, gullwing doors. And that... To me, doesn't necessarily make a DeLorean, but that's what people remember about it. So before we jump into the last 20 minutes here and focus on our topic, ah. uh, what pisses John off car-wise? And like I said, it doesn't have to be driving. And there was a conversation this week um, Matt Farrow was talking to Gordon Murray in a recent episode. And it's been explained to Matt that, and this Lexus told Matt this, that the reason analog gauges have gone away and everything has went to some sort of TFT, electronic display, is because the engines rev too fast for an analog gauge to keep up. And Gordon Murray's new car, whatever, the T40, is it? Um, the soccer car. Um, can rev to 50,000 RPM, 30,000 RPM. It's some ungodly amount of RPM. And it can zing up there pretty quick from what I understand. And Murray is using analog gauges. Which got me thinking I've been very clear in saying I'm accepting of the manual transmission going away um, we don't need clutch pedals we don't have to shift with our arms anymore we can shift with our fingertips and it's technology and this things get better I mean people use circular saws now and don't use hand saws it's as technology advances we adapt and we go with it. And there's always, you know, if you stay with woodworking, you've always got that little guy that's sweating like hell on PBS. It builds everything with hand tools. Oh, whoa, whoa, and wait, wait. There's 
there's something more than a handsaw out there. That's all I use. And and then you've got Norm Abram with, you know, he's got a router for every router bit, but same thing in cars, the technology, I'm tired of the save the manual. I, I'm we should have the no driving gloves, bury the manual t-shirt, but Derek is probably for save the manual, but same thing. Why are we so let's keep the manual. Let's keep the manual, but let's go to digital dashboards and power seats and all this other stuff. I understand there's exceptions like Derek and our friend in Michigan and things like that. But if you want to save the manual, Let's get rid of climate control and let's get rid of Bluetooth and let's get rid of our power windows and let's get rid of our suspensions and let's, let's keep it real. But here's, I mean, you know, you say I'm probably for the whole save the manual movement. I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent on the topic, right? Cause I've said it on the show before if I really just want to drive a manual transmission and I want to keep that experience of the, the, what I refer to and, and some other people refer to as the true driving experience where you're controlling really every aspect of the car. Um, you know, I'm going to drive one of the old cars. I'm going to drive something pre computer, uh, you know, probably pre fuel injection, uh, just because then it's, it's more of a true driving experience to me. I'm not saying to everyone I'm saying to me that, you know, that's how I plan to, you know, preserve the idea of the manual stick shift standard transmission as it has been called over the years. Um, but I don't, I'm not out there beating a drum saying we got to, we got to have a manual transmission option in every car that's produced for the the rest of time. Like that's uh, no, I mean, as you say, John, technology progresses, you know, I I mean, in some ways it's sad. I mean, look at even just, I'm a, I'm a clock guy, right? I, I like clocks too. A lot of, a lot of car people enjoy clocks. They're mechanical, you know, gear driven, all of that, at least old ones, but most have moved to an analog or a uh, digital clocks, not analog, digital, <laughs> uh, you know, most people and, and really the younger generations anymore, my nieces included, they really don't. And, and I shouldn't say it, it's, it's not really negative, but a lot of younger generation and younger kids don't even understand how to read an analog clock. They only understand digital clocks and it's the progression of time and the progression of technology. And as you say, John, it's just that we're getting better, you know, with hand tools to power tools and so on and so forth. Manual transmissions are, are hand transmissions. Automatics are power. It's, it's a progression. Yeah, I, I wear an analog watch most of the time. Well, I don't own a digital watch. So if I wear a watch, it's an analog. And um, I go into these various stores now uh, for my job and do my audits and that. And some stores you have to sign in with the time and that. And I look at my watch and some of these people are. That's not an iWatch. That's not a, you know, it's not. 
it's not digital. Why aren't you looking at your phone? You know, it's like you said, people are going, it's like, how do you even read that thing? I actually have a, I have, I have analog watches and I have one digital watch that I do wear. It's a, the Samsung galaxy, whatever it is, but every face that I have for it, guess what? It's an analog face. Yeah. And I, I bought an iWatch before and actually a few weeks ago I ordered a new Apple watch and I ended up canceling the order because it was taking too long to ship. Um, and got my girlfriend or I'd say I got, she's paying for it herself. I found the deal. Um, got her an Apple watch and she loves it, but I just, just can't bring myself to do that. I can't quite afford the mechanical watches that I want in that. So I'm in the happy medium of, you know, some of the Seikos and that, but. So you see John right there. So take that and can, you know, go back to your, your car statement. See you, you can't accept the move to the, uh, the digital watch and, you know, but you are accepting the move from a standard transmission to all automatic transmissions it's just vice versa for some people, you know, there are, there are people out there that have fully accepted digital watches, but they're out there beating the drum that they want to save the standard transmission. I I did come real close. Um, a week ago, a week and a half ago, a friend of mine in Tennessee posted on his Facebook, the link on, I can't remember if it was eBay or Amazon. I think it was Amazon to the Casio data bank. Uh, watch which is kind of a calculator watch but it had the time and then it had the day and the date and then you go to a screen and you could type in people's names and their phone numbers and it had this smooth keypad and I wish I could remember what happened to my original one but it was really tempting to go ahead and order that um, but then again that's to me going retro so <laughs> it's um, I don't know but yeah you're right is I, I don't so know. it's so you're saying it's it's kind of like a resto mod watch? No, it's a no. Because I I got to get resto mod into every show from now on. It's a legit continue continuation. I don't even know if they ever went out of production of the Casio data bank. Um, ironically, I think it sells for about the same price. It was either thirty nine or forty nine ninety five, and I believe that's what I paid for mine in four, when I was in fourth grade. So. There you go which probably means Derek would have been in diapers. I <laughs> uh, might not even have been born yet, John. So I'm fourth grade would have been, I just like to make you feel old. Would have been like 81 may, yeah, may have been like maybe 82 for me. I was a glimmer of hope in my parents' eyes, John. Yeah. So you didn't get you didn't get to enjoy the data bank. I Actually, I, I think I may have had a hand me down one when I was a kid. I don't know. I remember having the the watch with the the buttons on it and stuff. I don't know. Well, I had calculator watches and all that kind of stuff, mainly because I could cheat, put notes in my watch. And hey, thing. and you know, you know who we have to thank for those watches? Who was involved in the auto industry? Uh, who would you throw out there? 
Sir Clive Sinclair. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Sinclair C5. I forgot Sinclair that he was C5. in there. Yep. I forgot that's where his money came from. Yeah. Oh, so we've got 12 minutes. We can always bring things back to the auto industry, aren't we? I mean, yeah. Well, everything revolves around cars. Exactly. But we did want to t- chat a little bit about the Monterey auctions. Um, some cars sold, some cars didn't. Some cars went for ridiculous prices. There we go, wrapped up. Well, and that's where I wanted to be is I don't care about the top 10 cars that sold. I did find the article interesting on the with it listed the te- or the cars that sold for under 10k. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere Those are I my do. kind of cars. Yeah, somewhere I do have that list. And I believe there's only five cars on the list. I'm trying to think. Pontiac, 56 Pontiac Star Chief Ambulance, 9,900. This one I would have owned, I would love to actually own, was the 95 Buick Riviera concept car for $9,900. That surprises me that any concept car that would go that, let me start that over. That surprises me that any concept car would go for under $10,000. Just because there is a significance there of it being a, a concept, um, you know, design car, right? I mean, it's, and maybe it's just that it hasn't, it hasn't realized the following it needs to bring that price up. And I think that's where we're at. I mean, it's, it's, a, I think it's, I've always thought it was a good looking car, but, um, you know, I think people that think of the Riviera either want the 60s Riviera or they want that kind of, I can't think of what body style that was from the 80s with the slope sloping uh, deck lid type thing, very tail. But, um, but yeah, it's just a heavily underappreciated car, which I was thinking about with like the Aztec. And I saw another Aztec on the road today. And... I don't think two days go by that I don't see an Aztec anymore. And that's been in the last few years. And I attribute it to Walter White and um, whatever show that was, Breaking Bad. Because there was a period for about 10 years. I might even go, yeah, since even when the Aztec was new. I don't know if I saw one every two or three days. (laughs) But here's the interesting thing, going back to the Riviera concept car from 95, and correct me if I'm wrong here, John, because I I haven't really Googled it yet. But they didn't make a production convertible, right? No, that's why this one's so appealing to me. Yeah. So this is the convertible concept, um, which which to me, again, makes it even more interesting that it went under 10000 That, to me, is a good buy for a unique concept car in GM's history. Let's see here. What are the specific, this specific Riviera is even more special. It hosts the GM supercharged 3,800, but is a one-off convertible concept car previously owned by the heritage collection. That's mm-hmm. one of the cars uh, it, they got rid of in 2008. Yeah. Sadly, it is not street legal. 
Um, and that's probably what hurts it a little bit, but, but you know what, with all the new VIN laws that we talked about a few shows ago, you might be able to make it street legal. I was going to say, I don't think it would be that hard to make this one street legal. Oh, sorry. I had to throw that in there. Jason, we have, we have a number of commenters tonight that we haven't even mentioned. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Appreciate, appreciate all the comments from everyone. Jason's here. Phil was here. Um, Steven Brooks was here tonight with us. Uh, but Jason just commented that the man that designed the C7 Corvette also designed the Aztec and, uh, Yes, and uh, hopefully uh, he's he's a good friend of of many of ours, and uh, hopefully he will be on the show soon. So no, I've I've always been a fa- I'll be honest, I've always been a fan of the Aztec, and he he introduced that uh, body style, whatever that basic shape of a car, and you know it's now being produced by many many a uh, company. Mm-hmm. Didn't I make a reference a couple of weeks ago that I think when I was in Mississippi, there was an Aztec and then there was like a newer Buick or Cadillac SUV parked right there. And they damn near looked alike in the overall silhouette and shape. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just a, a modernized tweaked version, right? So. Analog watch. Sorry, I, I, I'm I'm only on one. He's got to catch up guys. now. Yeah, yeah. Derek distracted me even further. But see, no, I've got I've got I've I've got one monitor. I've got split split screen going here, so I can have our Trello up. I've got our Streamyard up. I've got tabs open. I'm I'm all over the place tonight. Yeah, I'm used to my uh, four 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 monitors and two additional computers and. Uh, let's see here, 59 American Motors Rambler Coupe for uh, 99 or 93.50, 71 New Yorker Brome for 8,800, um, 78 MGB, um, 8,250. That's an ugly rubber bumper one, but surprisingly, 7,700 for a 71 MGB Mark II Chrome bumper car. If you had no more than ten grand, that was your were your choices. And I do honestly, I do think that was inclusive of uh, the buyer's premium because you don't bid ninety nine hundred; you bid nine thousand, and then you pay ten percent. So, and uh, so, I mean, here's here's my take on it. Um, I think I agree with you, John. The one. The top car for that for me, if I had the ten grand blow at the auction, would have been the Riviera concept car, and after that, it would have been the Pontiac Star Chief Ambulance. I think those would have been my two that I would have gone after, um, just because you say the Riviera is an interesting piece of GM history, um, and then the the Pontiac Star. I just love the the fifties era Pontiacs, the styling and and all that. It's a great looking car. Eh, granted, it's an ambulance, you know, same same thing they used for hearses. So if you got it out at Halloween, it'd be good. But it'd still be a cool car to just bomb around in, you know? Turn the turn the gumball on. It's got a gumball light on top. Have a little fun. Now you were we were talking about the Riviera for ninety nine hundred bucks being a prototype. Really? Um, I don't know if anybody noticed, and I don't know how the hell Meekum pulled off this coup. 
if you would have had, what am I looking here? Three, four, you had 5 million bucks and all you had was 5 million bucks. You should have bought lots um, S33, 34, and 35 at Nikon. There's no way you'd lose money, in my humble opinion. Well, yeah, now, uh, now, okay, hang on. S what? 35, 34, and 33. LaFerrari. Oh, the LaFerrari prototypes. Yes, they're the 2011 LaFerrari prototype, the 2012 LaFerrari prototype, and the 2014 LaFerrari prototype. You're t- and you- for five million bucks, and you would have got a little bit of change from your five million bucks. You would have had uh, reliable transportation fees to get it, you know, load them up on trucks and get them back home. Um, there's no way these these Ferraris are not going to be worth some money in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, they must have auctioned them when somebody else was looking another direction. I thought those really were a steal even you know the 14 went for two and a half million i mean the 2011 why it looks nothing like it almost looks more like a uh, 512 bb than it does a la ferrari um it went for 715 but and then of course meekum pulled you know 2.3 on an f40 um just some crazy some crazy numbers on some of this stuff you know you had McLaren speed tails. I mean, I was watching some of this stuff sell and um, it's, we, we made a comment back when the auction was at um, Barber's and they were doing all these federal cars and seized mm-hmm. cars that the numbers seemed reasonable. And while I don't think these numbers are way out of line, it just seemed pretty heavy on a few of these cars. And it really does look like um, my generation has found their money and they are spending it. And the people a few years younger than me are. 577000 for a 2001 R34 Skyline. I'm still hoping to find my money. <laughs> Clearly, if I'm going to buy anything like this. Yeah, I don't. I just. That's my comment on the the Monterey auctions. The the money was there. It didn't seem crazy on a lot, but it did seem crazy on some. Um, I don't know if we're sheltering money in cars or with the economy going that way, there's always been taught cars, cars and art. When we go into a recession, then you can go and watch, you know, last, I'd say 40 years of cars, car collecting. We go into a recession. The prices go up a little bit. We come out. You better be one of the first people to be getting out of your, <laughs> getting out of the deal. But mm-hmm. oh, there's your Marmon. Yeah, I was looking at the Marmon 16s. That's only 550 and 450. Really? And 1.182. On which? On a 16? Yeah. 31 Marmon 16 uh, convertible coupe. 
The convertible coupe. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, that one was basically one point two. The sixteen convertible sedan was five fifty, and the sixteen sixteen Victoria coupe was four fifty. Interesting. What about the Huh? What about S sixty seven the limousine? Uh, four fifty one. There you go. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, uh, I guess dad and I have always had a Marmon 16 on our, our wish list, but until we find one that is in desperate need of a restoration and uh, isn't ridiculously priced because, oh, it's a Marmon 16, uh, we probably uh, won't be having one. Yeah, there's the um, 2021 Mercedes-Benz AMG GT Black Series that sold for 473 and the local dealership, I think, had one on their lot. And I can't remember if it was 650 is what they were asking for it brand new. Hmm. So, All right. So one of my uh, one of my favorite few few and far between uh, comment here, uh, but one of my favorite muscle cars. Uh, what did lot F60 go for, John? Seeing I'm not signed in, I can't remember. I gotta. I'll have to. I know I was had a login at one point. I'll have to go through the whole lot my F60, password thing. I gotta find a search window for that, or you gotta tell me what day it went. Uh, just scroll down. It's on the same that first page. Uh, what number? Lot F60. I didn't want to give away what car it was. Just um, control F on your computer and then F60. Oh, not nearly Jeez. not nearly as much as you think. Yeah, that's that's what I was hoping for. What did it go for? Why don't you make a guess? Uh, 725. Well, then it went for more than you thought. Well, no, I was, I was guessing that cause you said it went for less. So than I thought, well, they, they are commonly referred to as $2 million cars. This one went for 1.1. 1.1. Okay. I was actually thinking about a million this year. So that, well, it's a, it's one of the 17, 1971 Plymouth Cuda convertibles. So the uh, Porsche just below it, the S58 911 Carrera RS 2.7, previously owned by Paul Walker, uh, that was went for just shy of 1.1. And I didn't realize that that 2001 Skyline I referred to was, well, driven by Paul Walker to promote the Fast and the Furious films. It didn't Ooh. say it was owned by it. It was driven by it. How much did that bad boy go for? 577. 577. All right. <laughs> Sounds like somebody in your house is approval of a the Paul Walker. I guess. I don't know. All right. Well, that uh Ooh, that that sums up most of them. The oh uh, that's the bid goes on. 4.8. And the bid goes on on that 65 Shelby 427 Competition Cobra. Ah. Yeah, I've got a story behind one of those. Hmm. And we weren't talking anywhere near that money. So 
that's about, you know, that's a quick overview. That's just looking at Meekum, but I rarely look at Meekum stuff for some reason. Yeah. But I will quickly say, I don't know if we're going to get him on as a guest now that he's going to be a TV celebrity as of September 7th. But but former co-host uh, Will Posey's television show that he missed so many episodes for and basically ran two shops for a year or two. His show with Courtney Hansen, um, uh, The Ride That Got Away, or can't remember what they actually ended up calling it. Uh, I bet you I could push a button and find out the name of that. Um, there we go. Ride of Your Life is what they're calling yeah. it now. Uh, two weeks away premieres se- September 7th on Motor Trend TV and Motor Trend Plus at 10 p.m. Eastern. So you will get to see Will and Courtney and some of his fine work. Let's hope uh, Will's highlighted a little bit more than Courtney. And I'm going to be honest, that's probably the first time I've ever said I want to see a guy on TV more than Courtney. But Will has that way about him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sexy man right there. Yeah, and and if you want to find out more about that show, if I push a few buttons here, um I can probably tell you where to go. Um I gotta push that button and I gotta click that button. Well, I don't know. If you go to their website, it's kind of disappointing. Uh they got the uh build team, Courtney Hansen owner, executive producer, and host. And the only other person listed on that is Caleb R.J. Harris, which I I remember uh, him, uh, Will, talking about Caleb. Um, Not that Caleb's a bad guy. I'm not saying that. But it's a little disappointing that Will's not listed on that build team. Wasn't Caleb... Um, I, I got to change that, but wasn't Caleb the host of the first season of the show? Could be, maybe, I'm not sure. She's been horrible about updating that, but maybe I'm going to put this up to her and I'm going to compliment Mr. Tony Watley. But if you go back to, uh, we had Courtney Hansen on an episode 128. So that's how long ago he concluded. F- oh, we did filming was a hundred episodes of no driving gloves. Uh, because we had Courtney on just after I think uh, filming was done. And it was one of our longest interviews at the time because we had her for over an hour. Um, But you can uh, listen and hear about the ride that got away um, and then whatever it's called now. But uh, the biopic I have of her is of Tony Watley. So what? Wait, say that again? (laughs) Huh? How did that happen? I I don't know. I'm going to have to go in and consider uh, changing that. But again, episode 128, Courtney Hanson. You'll learn about the show that Will had a major part in. Um, I was even asked to do some things for it, but logistically I couldn't put together my part. But uh, nodrivinggloves.com, you can go there, buy us a coffee, check out the shows, watch all the videos. Uh, we've got a couple pages of some things we recommend. Uh, again, we're slowly, slowly improving a few things. We're we're working. I've got a goal date where everything will be, and you'll think we're a professional podcast again. So, 
Do you have anything else to chat about tonight, Derek? Oh, I got nothing. So then I got to figure out a out button here. Uh, Phil saying the R34 craze is too crazy. That That's Sir Posey, Jason, uh, not Mr. Posey. Yes. Oh, uh, Jason's asking, is your retro rod still on the table? Resto retro, resto slash rod still on the table? Well, you know, we might, we might discuss that in future episodes. Yeah. I'm seeing if there's anything. I don't know what Stephen Brooks was talking about, but he said zero percent chance of it making production. Uh, that was he, he commented when we talked about the DeLorean concept car. Oh, yep. I don't know if I'll go with zero, but I'd still keep it in the single digits. Zero to 88 miles per hour. So I pushed the wrong button. There's the button I want. Uh, looking for a little... Uh, it was 88 miles per hour, right? Uh, yep. I was right. actually listening to a retro podcast about right. uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3 today. But I'm going to talk to you next Talk to you next week. Talk to talk to you later, Jason, uh, and everybody else, Phil and Bob. Thanks, and, thanks for joining us tonight. Yep. Um, again, this will drop audio on Friday. All right.